It's great to be back to normal, isn't it? Yes, it was very encouraging last week, but for me and a few others, it was really quite stressful. And to say that I was a little anxious is an understatement. But anxiety is a very serious issue in today's society. One in three women and one in five men suffer with anxiety. So, before I go any further, I just want to say that if you suffer from anxiety issues, you're not alone. Please seek help. Please speak to somebody. Speak to me after the service. Anxiety is not just feeling stressed or worried when you have something coming up, like a visit from the bishop. No, unfortunately, it's more than that. Anxiety is when these anxious feelings don't go away. When they're ongoing and happen without any particular reason or cause. It's a serious condition that makes it hard to cope with daily life. Everyone feels anxious from time to time. But someone experiencing anxiety, these feelings aren't easy to control. Today's society seems to me to be built on anxiety though. A few weeks ago I was in the city and I found it interesting watching people coming out of Flinders Street Station. Everybody, everybody came out and they seemed so focused. They all seemed to have the same agenda. They all certainly looked the same. Their expression on their face was expressionless. Everybody seemed to either have headphones or earbuds in. It it, it was just like, I don't know, I often see movies where people are almost robotic. Our world today seems to thrive on single-focused people. I remember talking to students when I was a chaplain and I couldn't believe the single-mindedness in such young people. They all seemed to have only one focus, only one thing that they were set in their lives, which is fine. Fine when it's all going well, but as we know, when life gets complicated, as it does, they had no fallback position. Jesus' warning in our reading this morning indicates that anxiety has always been part of the human experience. The difference may be the level of anxiety. We worry about things like, should I buy Nike or Adidas? Or have I got the latest iPhone? Or where I might go for holidays? You know, Rome, Paris, London or Geelong. In Jesus' day, people had just enough to live on. For many, there was always the prospect of not having enough. Maybe they may have had a spare set of clothes, but if the breadwinner got sick or injured, the whole family would suffer. They had very little extra. 
and very few things in reserve. It is to these people that Jesus is speaking to. But what about the man who wants Jesus to arbitrate on his dispute with his brother over property? That would never happen. I'm sure there'd be never any brotherly disputes. This type of dispute was typical in attitude. As I've said in the past, that land and the ownership in land was more than just a financial one. The land to the Jewish people is more than just where they live. Possession of land was and still is a vital Jewish symbol. Families clung to their inheritance for religious reasons as well as economic ones. Again, here is another example of why Jesus was such a disruptive influence in the world at the time and still is, challenges our attitudes today. But in his day, his statements confronted and challenged his contemporaries as he get down to the root of the problems with his messages, his messages of the kingdom of God. Jesus comes along and says that God is changing the rules that the Pharisees and the scribes have given you. Well, actually, he's not changing them. He's not changing the rules. He's trying to clarify what they really meant, the true meaning. In the story of the rich fool, it is all about Israel. You see, Israel had been given instructions to be God's people in the world and that God would bless them so much that other nations would want to be like them. They'd want to come to God and be part of God's kingdom of followers. Israel had been given so many blessings from God. He had, he had showered them with his grace and they had continued to store it up all for themselves. And Jesus' response is, you fools. Life isn't like that. The kingdom of God isn't like that. Israel had become so focused on keeping the blessings of God to themselves that they were now, when God is calling them to change and be his people, they're in danger of losing it all. The kingdom of God is that is at its very least, is all about God's sovereignty spreading through the whole world. That way, all people, not just Jewish people, not just Christian people, but the whole world will know that they are loved, loved dearly by God. So when Jesus talks about birds and flowers, he's trying to help us understand just how much God loves us. But also... He's trying to get us to understand that God, God's love is given to us as good gifts and loves, and loves us to give us the kingdom. A love that brings his sovereign rule in our hearts. Look at the images that Jesus uses. I love these, these two images. You see, I, I like ravens. Despite, despite all the noise they make when you've got a whole lot of them um, coming together. I, I looked that up. It's called a Congress of Ravens. 
They are so clever. You know, I watched one one day land on the rubbish bin. A rubbish bin with a bin liner in it. Well, he's managed with claw and beak, he managed to pull the lid open and then he managed to lift the uh, bin liner and hold it with his claw, then put his head down with his beak, lift the bin liner up some more, hold it with his claw. Eventually, he lifted the bin liner up so high that he could eat the scraps in the bottom of the bin. I thought it was amazing. This week, actually, I saw a YouTube video of a, uh, of a cockatoo. And, and somebody... Obviously, cockatoos, very similar to ravens. What they'd done to battle this, they'd put a brick on the top of their lid, of their rubbish bin. This cockatoo worked out how to roll it off by lifting it with his beak and pushing it with his paw. Eventually, he rolled the, the brick off and did the same thing as the crow. He was able to lift the lid and get the food in the bin. I wonder sometimes if Jesus turned up to Baldwin today whether he might have used cockatoos instead of ravens. Anyway, and we, you know, we don't think much about the beauties of the least, do we? We don't think about the beauty of flowers very often. I mean, oh, no, I don't. I don't often think about that. I don't look at flowers and think they're beautiful. But, you know, we, we have amazing flowers in church all the time. They're, they are just amazing. There's something simple in their beauty at the same time, isn't there? At the core of these stories by Jesus is that they're all about where we put our hopes and dreams. Do we put them, do we put them in things of this world? Are our hopes in things or are they placed in the personhood of God? Are our hopes in some structure or possession? Or is it in a father who calls you his child? You remember last week, Bishop Geneve talked about fathers giving a child a scorpion instead of an egg. I'm sure each one of us, whether we're a parent or not, we would know that we wouldn't be so cruel as to do anything like that. But these passages have been used to guilt people about how much we own or the possessions we have. Yes, I'm not going to deny it, we all have too much stuff. I know I do, heaps too much stuff. But I think if using these passages to guilt people is a misuse of these passages. Paul himself, in Acts, describes Christian communities in which members lived as having their own houses, with their own goods, Even when we look at the generosity of Barnabas, when he sells the field, it is understood that it wasn't all he possessed. It may well have been a field he had in excess. In Acts 16, 14, we read about Lydia, a businesswoman, a dealer in purple cloth. This would have been a very lucrative business. And there is no sense in her that she should not continue in that business. No, Jesus is talking about sharing, a sharing of inheritance with which our reading began. 
with the brothers asking Jesus to tell his brother to divide his inheritance. Jesus is more concerned with the attitude of grasping, sorry, Jesus is more concerned with grasping and greed, but he's more concerned about our inheritance. When Jesus speaks of treasures in heaven throughout the Bible, he doesn't mean what you'll own or possess after death. Heaven is God's place. It is his created reality, which you'll remember from the Lord's Prayer, will one day be part of earth, our place. What matters, what really matters is that the kingdom of God is bringing the values and priorities of God himself to bear to the greed and anxiety of the world. Now, don't get me wrong. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this morning that because you believe in Jesus, you'll never be anxious. I'm not saying that. I can tell you that that is not true. I am constantly battling my own anxiety issues. I'm not saying that there won't be days when, like in our picture, there'll be black clouds on the horizon and things might be difficult. What I think Jesus is saying is that what he's wanting from us is to abandon the values of the world, the grasping and the greeting, the greed, and take the, and the associated anxiety that comes with the pursuit of these things What he's wanting from us is to start living by kingdom values. God's will. Living by God's will here on earth. We have a wonderful inheritance and we are to share our inheritance. Not hang on to it from ourselves. Not hang on to it like the Jewish people. We are called to share our inheritance. And what is our inheritance? Well, it's the kingdom of God. It is our eternity. My prayer this week for you is to go out and share that kingdom. Go out and share your inheritance and share it freely. In the name of Jesus. Amen.